0: Thanks, Lord. All right, this is the time in our week when we come together as Jesus' people to sit under the word together. I get to serve you from it. Um, We are sticking with the theme of the weekend and spending some time in a passage about how men are to honor women in the life of the church We thought that would be a perfect way to land the plane from what we've been working on together this weekend. Uh, Before we hit the sermon part of it, um, we gave you a quick recap with 50 kids in the room so you could see some pictures. But I need you to feel with me how awesome yesterday was, both in the way that the women of this church served, but also in the disposition of the people who were here to receive what was happening, I was totally blown away. Um, they were ready. So I just want to give you a, a couple of highlights that you can feel this so that we can own this together. Don't forget Jesus' parable. He said to the, to the one who was given many talents, I'm going to hold you accountable to have hustled with those talents. That's something that we have embraced as a church. All that we have been given, we want to do good stewardship with that. And work hard to give it away. So that was the spirit of all the effort that went into our day yesterday. Just a couple of highlights. Uh, one is that Christ is doing a work in the hearts of pastors and in women, at least in our network, to see that His intentions for unity and humility and partnership in the life of their churches happens, and. That is impossible in our own flesh, but it is possible by the Spirit, and He is doing that work, and we should rejoice in His grace, not to us only, but to those churches. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a conference and you kind of wanted to be there, but not really. Anybody have that experience? See, the people who have a lot of professional development in their life, they're like, "Uh-huh." Um, I've done that a lot. So i been like, I think I want to be there, I'm not totally sure, I hope there's good food, there'll be some people, people there who I want to hang out with, and then the content, maybe I'll engage, maybe I won't, maybe I'll listen to half of it. You know that spirit? Okay, yesterday, there was none of that spirit. From the very first sentence, everybody's staring back at me from where you are, there was just twice as many of them they were like this. Their shoulders were completely leaned in to everything that we worked through. We built the day so that there would be a couple of labs and they could get together with their team and chop it up. So we kind of said, okay, ready? Let's move to our labs. And people were like sprinting to get to places in this building. And as soon as they got there, Bibles open, journals open, leaning in. We had to kick people out of the basement of this church at 5.30 who were, for an hour and a half, saying, how can we do this work well together? That is something to rejoice in. That's a grace of the Spirit that we didn't just go through the motions, but that people were leaning in. Um, One of the pastors pulled me aside and he said, okay, straight up, do you work for the FBI and do you have a bug in the office at my church? Because everything that we have been thinking and praying about with our women, you were just like left hook, not me, us. We were like left hook, right hook, left hook, right there. His wife and team was with him and she said, did you call him before we came here? So, so many of those pastors were blessed because they are thinking through these things in real time. Uh, we had a woman here who was a widow. And her husband died 10 years ago. And for 57, 58 years now, she has given herself to believing the gospel, adorning the gospel through her femininity, and loving and serving her church. It's a 3,000-person church. And she said that the last 10 years have been so hard because she has not felt affirmation in the context of this huge church of who she is the way that her husband used to affirm her. And year after year, she would miss him for so many reasons, and this was one of them, that 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 affirmation just has not been there as she's stepped into a decade of being without him. She told the women on her team and the pastor who was with her that yesterday was the first day in 10 years where she felt like someone valued her for the things that she had given herself to. You, you gave this woman that gift yesterday and it was so precious to her. And then last thing I want you to feel. So another comment that we got is, and I want to be careful with this one. Um, they said, so in churches, sometimes the women get very catty. Is that, is that a bad word? Is that a good word? That's a bad word? It's a bad word, but it's an accurate word. Okay. They get very divisive. They get very cliquish. They get very like, this is my turf and this is my ministry and that's my side of the church and there's these pockets of women who are in competition in church life. Um, That's not the women in this church and I didn't have to say that, they watched it. They watched them serve as a team, they watched them support the women who spoke, they heard them do a panel that said, this is what it's like for us to be the family of God together, And they were seated across this um, podium up here. And it was so beautiful that some people grabbed us after and said, we need that to happen in the life of our church. That is unusual, uncommon unity. And it was so awesome to see it on display. Okay, you feel all of that? So if you grabbed Amy or Allison or Patty or Chelsea, they could probably give you five more anecdotes of what happened yesterday. That's because you're serious about this church being holy and humble and gospel-centered. That's because you show up and you give and you love and you serve and you care that we're able to be a blessing to others in that way. So I want you to feel that so I can say thank you and like let's keep doing that together until our toilets do break because we flush them too many times in the day and the neighbors do freak out because there's too much life in this church and they don't want to see another car parked in front of their driveway. Let's break all those rules because there's so much gospel life in our church. Yesterday was a picture of that. All right, Jess, now you can start on my timer for the sermon. Um, Because we worked so hard to pull this off, I have a confession to make. You ready? Most of this sermon got done at 3.45 this morning. (laughs) So if there's anything in here, you're like, Give me grace and mercy. We'll go back over it. But we wanted to lend the plane with this text for a reason. If you're new to the Bible, I hope that today helps you and you learn how to read through your Bible. If you're brand new to the ideas of gospel-centered sexuality, I hope that these words are helpful to you too. And if you are a man in this room, you must, you must listen to me for the next 20 minutes. You must, okay? Listen to me. All right, all I want to do here is to address a textual question that you kind of heard me read in there that comes up in this whole conversation of how do men and women relate together as brothers and sisters in the family of God and husbands and wives if uh, God enables and allows a marriage? How does that work? And here's the question. It's right here. Doesn't the Bible say that women are weak? I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but from the world, this comes as an accusation, right? Rah! The Bible is a misogynist text, and it demeans, and it devalues, and it disrespects, and it degrades women. Uh, If you have a Twitter account, you will see something like that come across the feed every other day, this kind of accusation. The problem with that conclusion, to make it an accusation, is that it just takes two words... And it rips them out of the context of the whole rest of the Bible, and it makes uh, decisions about them isolated. Uh, That's uncharitable, and it's also intellectually dishonest to do that. You would never want someone to take two words that I say today and then go make a judgment about our church. And so we want to hear these two words in the Bible, but we want to hear them in the context of the story of the Bible from the church it actually comes as an honest question right how do you square all this language of women as forces for gospel advance that's what we called the uh, the conference women as forces for gospel advance how do you square that kind of language with this text that says that women are the weaker vessel okay you know this church we're committed to the whole bible all of the words And if we're going to do that, that means we're not afraid to deal with any of the words because they're good and they're beautiful and they're true. And if we can get our hearts wrapped around them, they will help us in our mission and in our life. So all I'm going to do is work one half of that last verse with you. All right, let's do it. The verse is going to come up on the screen. The first two words say, likewise, husbands. Okay, two things. Like the Spirit often does in your Bible, The Spirit addresses husbands and wives specifically in our text. Uh, He does this because marriage is the foundational, essential way that God intended for men and women to relate together in fulfilling the creation mandate and the mission that He had for them. That does not mean, and we talked about this a lot yesterday, that if you are unmarried in the room that you're a JV person waiting to get on the varsity team. That's not what this means. This means that God speaks to the rule and then all of us hear what he is saying and apply it in our life, in our station, in our season of life. Also, like he does often in your Bible, if you read it, you'll see this, the Spirit is locking in on the men in the room and he is communicating something specific, essential, that the men in the room need to hear and to heed if they are going to be holy and live out their calling as men in a way that glorifies God and helps the women in the room to thrive. The Bible does this a lot too. That's why it says, likewise, husbands. Okay, next words. <laughs> live with your wives. No, oh, no, no. I'm still working this one. Live with your wives. In an understanding way. Understanding means according to knowledge that you get it. In other words, get your head wrapped around what God was doing when he created our sisters, women, including your wife. And let that knowledge change your heart and change the way that you live and the way that you relate to the woman in your marriage and the women in your In this church, every woman, every man in this room should be just as familiar with the pink passages in your Bible as the women are. All right, who's ever heard the word pink passages? Sometimes that's derogatory, right? But it shouldn't be. There are passages in Scripture that address women, and they're awesome, and it helps them see what they have been called to for the glory of God. and the thriving of their homes and churches. If we are going to be holy husbands, and fathers, and brothers, and pastors, we have to understand what God is calling our wives, and daughters, and sisters to be. Live in an understanding way with the women in your life. And then in this text, we get one descriptor of that unique glory that God has assigned to women, and it is this, that they are the weaker vessel. Everybody see the two words up there? All right. Oh, you're still here. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about what that does not mean. It does not mean, cannot mean, weak in like an absolute sense. The women in the room are weak. If that was true, and that's what that meant, then we would have to abandon the doctrine of scripture and certainly the inerrancy of scripture. How do we know that these words are not a blanket assertion of weakness? How do we know that? Because we have two eyes in our heads. Have you spent 10 minutes around the women of Seven Mile Road? We have 70 children connected to this small church, right? That means dozens of women in here who have carried another human being inside of their body for nine months. I don't even like carrying the recycling down the steps every other Friday for 30 (laughs) seconds. I get tired. This also means that some of these women have delivered other human beings from their bodies. Have you seen the Studio C sketch where it's a mom going into labor and her husband? And he says, babe, I'll do anything for you to get you through this. And then the nurses walk out with this head device, and they put one device on the mom and one device on the dad, and they say, hey, there's no anesthesia. Sorry, Jamie, we took a job away from you. What's going to happen here is all the pain that she feels is just going to get transferred to you. And he goes, oh, that's awesome, great, let's do it, I love her so much. And all of a sudden she has the first contraction and this guy melts like a sixth grader who just got his finger slammed with a hammer. And for like eight minutes of this comedy sketch, he is like weeping and screaming and crying and wanting to kill himself because he cannot handle the pain. Women are not weak. Do we want to talk about the strength that it takes to survive the first six months of being Gregory's mom? Um... Do you know that Amy and Sarah packed up six children in a minivan and drove them to North Carolina by themselves for like a week? I would have been in the fetal position by Hartford. (laughs) Then they woke up at 5 a.m. on Friday just so they could drive straight back 3 a.m. on Friday So they could drive straight back to be with us on Good Friday night service. And they did it. Does that sound weak to you? And it's not just maternity strength, right? I don't have time to talk to you about all of the strength that we have displayed in the way that the women in our church have lived before us. We also know that women are not weak because we have our Bibles on iPad. I can come up with a dozen adjectives to describe Hannah, Abigail, Ruth, Mary, Phoebe, Rahab. Weak would not be within the top hundred adjectives. It would be nowhere to be found. It would never cross my mind to describe those women of valor and courage and sacrifice and faith as weak. We also know from this very passage, and this is why I read this to you before, At the start of this chapter, the Spirit is addressing the common reality that happens in the life of the church, that sometimes a woman is married to a man who has not yet believed the gospel. And this is what the words of the Bible say. It says, even if some of those husbands do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Do you feel this? A holy prayerful, submissive, gospel-saturated woman can win her husband to Christ without even having to say a word. She doesn't even have to preach or cajole or hound him because the force of her life is so magnetic that he is overwhelmed with the beauty of the gospel. Hey, bro, how did you come to faith? My wife. Oh, did she tell you about Jesus? Yeah, but it wasn't her words. I just watched her day after day after day after day, trust and love Christ. And then trust and love me. And it was like gravity. She just swept me into the gospel life. What is gravity, you scientists? It's a force, right? I think it is, is it? Okay, it's a force. That's why we use that word. Does that sound like weakness to you? Later in the text, it says these words. Sarah called Abraham Lord, a respectful way of addressing her husband in that day. And you women are her children if you do good and don't fear anything. That is frightening. Does everyone feel this? Sarah believed God She submitted to and partnered with Abraham in the mission that he gave to them, but that did not intimate weakness. What's the word? No fear. Fearlessness. What's the point? A woman who goes all in on obedience to God's callings in her life is not weak. She is strong. Fact. Okay, so then what does this verse mean? weaker vessel. All right, comparison is being made here between men and women. It's a comparative term, weaker. And the word vessel signifies to us that he's focusing in or he's starting with the idea of our physical bodies. Everywhere else the word vessel is used in the New Testament, it refers to the anatomy. Um, and he is saying between their bodies, there's a difference. I know this is so weird and our culture is in denial of this because we're all into science until science doesn't fit our narrative and then we want nothing to do with science. Have you seen how that tends to happen? Okay. All of a sudden we get really all dumb when it comes to some obvious biological things because they don't fit what we actually want them to fit. I've experienced that before. Let me make a terribly innocuous scientific statement. You ready? In general, on the whole... Women are physically weaker than men. This is why there's a WNBA and an NBA. And the WNBA uses a smaller ball. Why is that? In general, women's biology, their hands are smaller than men's. They cannot leap as high. So we separate those divisions so the competition will be fair. There's no superiority or inferiority. It's just a simple fact. How about men and women race separately in the Olympics? Why do we do that? Because a man at his top speed is much faster than a woman at her top speed because of the way that their anatomy is built. Simple biology. Generally, who grabs the couch when you're moving someone into their house? Don't tell me what you want to be true. You've all been there. What generally happens? Generally, two guys will say, hey, we got this. It's not derogatory. It doesn't mean that a woman has never carried a couch into a house a bunch of you have. It means we just generally get, if there's a super heavy couch, and some of you, I have moved them for you, and I don't know why you bought that couch that weighs six tons, and then asked me to come help you move, and then said, you're a male, you can move the couch. But why does it end up that way? Because we, we don't have to think about it. We just know this is just part of the way that God has built his world. None of that is judgment. It's just simple fact. Okay, why? Why is that the way? So the first answer is biological. It's the XY chromosome, right? Men have a different DNA than women have, and that affects the basic nature of their body. God did not create us androgynous beings. He determined that the female body would just function differently than the male body. It's good. It's beautiful. It's true. But there is a deeper reason than physics on why things are this way. And it's about this truth and I know if you've ever thought about it before but hear it with me. Embracing the feminine glories requires a vulnerability. Embracing the feminine glories requires a woman being vulnerable. For a woman to be a woman like Elizabeth Elliot beautifully says, it means that she puts herself in certain places of weakness. Now, if we had time, we could whiteboard this and think of all the feminine glories and how they require vulnerability. Let me just put two out for you to just think about with me. So one is the feminine glory of submission God has assigned a unique responsibility to the men in the room to take responsibility in their homes and in this church so that everyone thrives. And he has called the women in this room to partner with them in that work. Submission. You feel that in the word? But what does that require from a woman? It requires a giving up of some independence. It requires a willingness to trust and to support and to go with your pastors or with your husband. And what does that require? It requires a vulnerability if you're going to step into faith in that place. Okay, how about maternity? How does that work? So first, a woman surrenders her body physically to her husband, right? She takes a risk to receive him. She is vulnerable in the way that that works and then she surrenders her body to this child. You want to talk about a lack of control. Any woman who has been pregnant knows, I just became so vulnerable. There's another life inside of me. Do you feel the weakness? Is there anyone more vulnerable than a mom who is eight or nine months pregnant? There is weakness in saying yes to that glory. We could talk about modesty. We could talk about hospitality and how that puts you in a place of vulnerability and weakness. All of these require a woman to let go of power, to let go of independence, to say yes to vulnerability in order that God might accomplish his purposes through her life. And what is the paradox in all of this gospel truth. What's the paradox? That embracing of weakness takes what? Immense strength. We are grown up enough to hold two thoughts in our head at once, right? So here's two thoughts. That yes to weakness requires immense strength. I'm telling you that if we pulled this room and said, who is the strongest person you've ever seen in your life? Dozens of you would write down a woman's name as the first one that comes to mind. Okay, now with that understanding in our heads, what does the Spirit command the men in the room and the men in the text to do in regard to how we are to relate to women? What's the command? Can you throw that back up one more time, Jess? I need the text. Can you go back to the text? Thank you. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. Showing honor. Does everybody feel it? To recognize the glory of what God is doing with His daughters and to guard it, to cherish it, to respect it, to esteem it. That never happens in our day. It is a sin. It is evil when a man takes advantage of the weakness, the vulnerability of a woman. And God and your Bible could not be more opposed to it. We began the day yesterday and said, here's how we want to do this. We want a pastor, and I got the call to stand up and look the women in the eye and tell them how valuable and beautiful and essential they are to the Father. And in that 60 seconds, I cannot tell you what happened in that room because American women so rarely are told you have value just in who you are. I honor you just because you are a daughter of God. And anything that strikes against that is sin. All right, if we had a whiteboard, we could run down the list, right? So, men committing rape is breathtaking sin. It is so dishonorable to take physical advantage of a woman in her weakerness. Men committing battery. Pretending that a man should be in an athletic event with a woman where he can show her up and defeat her. I haven't been more furious in something I saw online than I was last week where a man was in a wrestling match or a boxing match with a woman and he knocked her out and they, they gave him a belt for it. That is Horrible that a man would dishonor a woman in her weakness and parade over her. Any way that a man would ever tease or taunt or demean or take advantage of a woman because of their physical difference or their femininity. God and the Bible and the Christian church will have nothing to do with it. It's weird because we preen over our egalitarianism in American culture, but we do not honor women the way that God calls us to. Here's what I need every man in this room to determine with me. That will not happen in the life of Seven Mile Road. It will not happen. So here's my call for you, the last thing. Let's build a church Let's build a church culture that honors the women that Jesus has given to us. Where every woman who ever walks in those doors knows I am valued, I am loved, I am welcomed. Where every daughter that is ever born to us knows from her first day in the service. You mean women aren't always loved and valued? And honored and cherished because that's all I ever knew. I, I grew up in this place called Seven Mile Road where when women say yes to the glories that God has called them to, we don't demean them or snicker at them or shrug our shoulders at them or get frustrated with them. Where we celebrate and marvel And honor them for it. Can there be one church in Massachusetts where women can know, I am safe here. I am loved here. I am led to the truth of the scriptures here. And when I say yes to what God is calling me to, nobody snickers. Nobody takes advantage of me. Nobody scoffs at me. They honor Me. Can there be a church where I know that my pastors and the men in the church will be disposed to me in that way? Okay, let's end with this. Sisters, women, if there's anything in the life of this church where you go, that right there is a failure to honor the women in the room. We need you to tell us. We need you to tell us so that we can respond and we can change. And then men, it is your job to obey this text of Scripture. It is spoken to you. Like if just 10 of you will own this, or 20 of you, or all of you, the culture in our homes and the culture in our church would radically change for the good. And all the conversation outside of these walls about how do men and women relate together in unity we could say, come hang out here. We're trying see what we've learned together by the grace of the Spirit. All right, this is one of those no-joke sermons, so if you've got stuff running around in your head, you're supposed to. If you have questions that we can help with, you're free to ask them. But women help us do this well, and men take the lead, and beginning today, honor the women who are in this room. All right, let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would help us know who you are, what you intend for us. I pray that we would follow you all the way down the rabbit, all the way down the rabbit trail of obedience and holiness. I pray that my sisters in this room would know the love of God for them. That my sisters in this room would know that they are valued and it has nothing to do with their intellect or their looks or their season of life or their accomplishments. Or their relation to a man, nothing to do with any of that, that they are honored because they bear the image of God. I pray that they would be secure in that today. And I pray for the brothers in this room, and I pray that we would insist upon the honoring of the women in this church, and we would encourage and help each other to get there. I pray that some husbands in this room would go home and say, hey, I am sorry. I have not honored you the way that the Lord is calling me to, and I want to do that better. I pray that the young men in this room would set their hearts to say, every woman that I ever engage with and encounter, I'm going to respect her dignity and her body and her beauty and her character to the glory of God. Would you come and help us do this well? I pray that you would hear and answer. Amen. All right, let me thank you for letting me land the plane of this weekend with that. Now we're moving